for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Well, last week, last week we started this show with the Minnesota Twins and how there's no damn curse. They just play crappy baseball when it counts the most over and over again 18 times in a row. No, that was last week. We dissected. We, yeah, we, well, we kind of did the same thing we did before the before the inevitable fuck up, and then uh, since the inevitable screw up. And it, it turns out this is a very Minnesota sports thing, as we all know. Just like with the Twins, with the Minnesota Vikings, whether it's a playoff game or a big primetime game, the Mike Zimmer era and Kirk Cousins era Vikings especially, uh, they just bleep the bed when it's a big game like this. Players and leadership, they always seem to fail the team and the fans no matter what. It wasn't all their fault with the loss to Seattle. A really good 4-0 team last night, but uh, it's, you know, it's just, when are they going to win one of these things? Besides the playoff game in New Orleans, when are when, are Z, when is Zimmer not going to supposedly lose his mind in moments where a head coach should make the right call or decision, and when is Kirk Cousins going to get over whatever shortcomings he has and make a play? Uh, so that's what we'll start with. I'm John Gaskins with Matt Zimmer at the Gateway Lounge. In a moment, I'll tell you why the Minnesota Vikings are my 2010 Honda Fit. Uh, but you go ahead and tell me if you feel the same way about the Vikings. I mean, they're not a good team. They're a touchdown underdog, but they were there, they were right there, Zim, and it uh, you know it was, the same things failed them. It was really surprising to me <clears throat> to see people you know on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, talking about it like it was like this one belongs on the list of the really bad Vikings losses over the years. It does to me. Like, I even saw, is this the worst Vikings loss ever? Somebody really said that. Anyway, I mean, probably not somebody that knew anything. But, but I even saw people who I do respect, like, them, oh, this one's probably top three, top five. Like, no, this isn't top 100. Because no. it didn't matter. That's the right. thing. Like, they're not going to the playoffs this year. Right. Why does, who cares? Well, like, and like, it, honestly, <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, like, by the time the game ended, it was like, oh, shit, they might actually win this thing. Then, yes, I wanted them to win. But for the most part, I went into last night's game going, I cannot care less if they win this game. They're not going to the playoffs. I'm not one of those, you know, tank for a higher draft pick guys. I just want to be entertained. Guess what? Yeah. I was entertained. Right. Was game. If this team was any good and we were expecting them to go anywhere, then it would be a maddening loss. Right. But on top of that... There was no kicker who missed a 27-yard field right, goal, right. and there was no kicker who has been perfect his whole entire season who missed a 37-yard field Brett goal. Throwing an interception when he easily yeah. could have scrambled five yards no. on the first down. Right. right. Darren Nelson. Gary, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Kirk we Cousins did throw a boneheaded throw because he pees his pants. But in they still had a chance to win the game yeah, after They that. did. They did. He bounced back yeah. nicely from that play. Uh, we're at the Gateway Lounge. It's on 41st Street in the west side of Sioux Falls. Come on down here. Zim keeps getting the beef chislick, so it must, there's must, there must be something about it that you really like. And uh, I got the chicken wrap today. They were able to make the sweet chili sauce that they make with their chicken wings just for my chicken salad. That was really nice of them. It's awesome. They've got two furs on Mondays. And as I've told you many, many times before. Now they have a list so you can read it off. Thank you. Uh, I, I had the Gibson's and Ginger Beer, Gibson's Whiskey from Canada, uh, Jack Daniels, Tito's. The hell is that? Ham's Point. Does that say Ham's Point? Ham's Point. What is Ham's Point? It's too dark. I can't read it. <laughs> it looks like it's a whiskey. Okay. Great. Your two first. So he's making a double drink for the price of one. It's great. Zim's, of course, going with his normal Budweiser. Uh, and uh, we have a, we have some local sports news to get to later, like news and our opinions on it. Uh, very intriguing, although not surprising, according to Zim. Uh, and we, <laughs> you said in the video tease, no, we're not going to debate about who's who's better, who's better all time, LeBron or MJ. You sure you don't want to do that? I'm not, I'm, you've got to have an opinion on that. I'm sure you've written about it a time or two. I don't know if I have. Okay. Um, you know, I. You don't have to do it now. Let's just do it now. Let's get into it. You got me started. Okay. Let's talk about it. All right, and then we'll LeBron go back to the, we'll go back to LeBron the Vikings. Won his title last night. That's his fourth, right? Yeah. And Jordan has what seven? Six. Six. Okay. Six for six. LeBron's four for ten. 
in right. fights. So people like to throw it in LeBron's face that he's lost however many, yeah. and Michael never lost one, but getting to the finals and losing is better than not getting to the finals, which often gets lost on the Michael Jordan defenders. Um, I don't know. Like, I used to be a kind of guy who would talk about Michael Jordan in terms of you young whippersnappers don't know how good he really was. Because I do think, at least until the, you know, the, I don't even remember what it's called now, the documentary that came out this spring. Uh, the Last Dance. The Last Dance. Yeah. That kind of reminded people, or for people who were too young to see him play, gave him a, a, a glimpse of it, just how special Michael Jordan really was. Uh, and then he was not just, you know, this guy averaging 35 points a game. And, you know, he was also the best defender in the league. I mean, he just he was otherworldly. He really, really was. And I felt like people sometimes actually underrated Michael Jordan. But that's how great he really was. But LeBron James comes along and really, in a lot of ways, can do everything that Michael Jordan can do and in some ways do them better. I have a hard time if you say, what, did, what does uh, Michael Jordan do better than LeBron James? Probably a better defender. But is he a better shooter? No. Is he a better rebounder? No. Is he a better passer? No. Is he a better ball handler? No. Is he a bigger dickhead? Yes. If you want to use that in his favor, I guess some people do. I mean, of course. Literally. Oh yeah. That's what makes him so great. He's you know he's a competitor. Oh yeah. He punched his teammates and and ripped him a new one all the time. I think that's people just kind of making excuses for their guy. But I don't know. I think they're very. I don't know if saying that they're equal is kind of like chickening out or whatever, but they're clearly the two greatest of their era. Yes. Um, you know, I think it's weird that Will Chamberlain averaged 55 points and 27 rebounds a game for an entire season that is never included in these conversations. Mostly because people that are having them didn't ever get to see him right. play. Right, yeah, but I mean, and, you know, and plus, I mean, from what I can take, from what I've seen on the grainy black and white film, he was like bigger and taller than everybody else. And right. it was really I'm easy. just throwing that out there. Right, sure. We, make it about those we, hear, two we heard about Oscar Robinson. Robertson and people want to throw Green Bill. Get thrown in there Bill as often as he probably right, he was a scoring leader for a long time and did it for a long time. But think about how long LeBron James has been doing this now. He's 35. He's been doing it for 17 years. And, and a good point that I heard earlier today: Michael Jordan. A lot of people will. A lot of people will give Jordan the nod simply because he was with the same team and he went through growing pains against the Celtics and the Pistons and he stayed with the Bulls. He didn't go anywhere to form a super team. He already had a super team. He was nothing or the Bulls were nothing with him until Scottie Pippen, who might be the best number two, the best Robin to anybody's Batman in the history of the league. He's one of the top 50 players of all time as voted on by all his peers and all the writers and all of that. So he already, he already had it built in for him there. LeBron had nothing in Cleveland before he went to Miami around him. We all know that, but no one wants to give him credit credit for it. And and then, of course, he goes back to, okay, I'll go back to Cleveland and show, it, and show you. And then he had better help. He had Kyrie Irving, and that was um, that was the main reason. And they did it. They beat one of the best teams of all time, the Warriors, in the finals. And he, it doesn't matter what city, what team, what organization, who his, who his second best player is, how good his surrounding cast is. You put him anywhere, and he, he pretty much gets you to the finals wherever he goes. Michael Jordan had the best coach of all time. By the way, I grew up a Bulls fan, huge Bulls fan. Bulls fan before they became world champions, when they were struggling in the 80s. I, I love the struggle. I love I loved Michael Jordan. I had the posters, everything. I, LeBron's, you said it You said it all. He's bigger and stronger and can do all those things just as good as Jordan did, and Jordan was freaking amazing. LeBron didn't have as good of teams or a supporting cast, but yet he still won four finals and made it to ten. I think the simplest way to put it, I've heard this once before, and I believe that it's true. Whoever is the best player in their sport in present day is always the best player of all time. Yeah. Just because of how humanity and society advances. We are bigger, faster, stronger people in the year 2020 than we were in 1920. Yes. In 1960 and 1980. We're constantly evolving upward. So, yeah, Babe Ruth put up these incredible numbers in 1920. Mike Trout's better than him. Doesn't have better stats than him necessarily, but Mike Trout, best player of all, best player in baseball right now, probably the best baseball player that has ever lived. Whether football, whoever you know, whoever it is. 
40 years from now, there's going to be some guy in basketball, in baseball, in football, whatever. Like, whoever he, and he's going to be so much better. Oh, is he as good as LeBron James? Is he as good as Mike Trout? Yeah. He's better because all his peers are better. The NBA as a whole right now is much better than it was in 1987. Oh, boy. Much, much oh, Zim, that was real basketball, though. Yeah. These are just athletes. Yeah. yeah, these are just athletes, and they play defense, and they mugged each other up. Yeah. And Bill Lambeer. Oh, boy. Randy Brewer and I, Brad Lowhouse yeah. and all those big yeah. dumb white guys that were apparently yeah. made it so hard on well, the, Jordan. And the Jordan rules. He got, he, he got murdered every time he went to the basket by the Detroit Pistons. Look at the – LeBron, the way that Le- LeBron James is built, and, and I know LeBron. That's the other knock on him is, oh, he's he's Captain Flopper. Everything he gets breathed on, and he bangs for a foul, and he gets a foul. Jordan got all the fouls, and but and look at the way LeBron is built. You put LeBron into that into the much more physical, rough and tough NBA. Oh, I think he can handle it. I think he can handle it. And I think he can play physically and adapt. And I think a lot of the players. I don't know how many of the players from back then could adapt to the style now. There's a guy named Eric Strickland. He played. He's one of Nebraska's best basketball players ever. He played in the NBA for 10 years toward the end of Jordan's career and at the beginning of Kobe and LeBron's career. And he defends Jordan because he went into the NBA when it was much more physically tough and physically demanding. And then it got less and less in the rules. Okay, that's fine. I get it. And his his opinion matters. But back to your whole point about the all-encompassing thing of all sports of all times, I think if you put some of the best from the 20, 40, 50, 80 years ago, and they had to adapt to what it is today. You gotta lift weights. You gotta be in great shape. You gotta be in better condition. You gotta condition year round. They'd do it, and they'd be great. You put some of the best players of this era back then, where maybe oh the skill was better. It wasn't all about just being an athlete. Whatever, it wasn't. They'd be fine too. Is that, I mean, is that about it? Do we? Yeah. I think so. I mean, I'm I'm basically I know you're supposed to always have a hot take or whatever, but. If someone says Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, I'm like, okay. If yeah. someone says, no, I think it's LeBron, okay. Yeah. If someone says it's Kareem, okay. Yeah. I think Larry Bird was underrated, too. Sure. We could go on and on and on. Yeah. We could, but we won't. It's nobody's listening anyway from the Gateway Lounge on West 41st Street. John Gaskins with Matt Zimmer. All right, let's get back to the Vikings and uh, the loss yesterday. Let's get right to it. So many other things happened. I want, to, I want to explain why. There's a big payoff here to explain why the Minnesota Vikings are my 2010 Honda fit. But the let's go to the let's go to the biggest tree in the forest from last night. Vikings are up five. What are they up five? Yep. Yeah, they're up five. They're driving. It's fourth and inches, not even a yard, inches near the goal line. And there's a what two two and a half minutes left in the game. And Mike Zimmer decides to go for it. Macho Mike Zimmer. We're gonna win it right here. And when he was making when when he was deciding. I was kind of thinking to myself, hey, I'm not surprised. This is Mike Zimmer. He wants to show everybody who's boss. He wants to tell, he's, we're going to win it with defense. You know, Russell Wilson's not going to come back on us. And, uh, you know, and he's going he's gonna to be this big swinging, big swinging huevos, right? And at first I thought, well, yeah, right. You're on the road. Give them the knockout punch. Don't give them the ball back. I get it. Uh, but at the same time, I thought, you kick the field goal. Russell Wilson has a good chance. Yes, it's going to be a touchback. He's going to go 75 yards, and of course he's going to score. He hasn't been playing very well all night. Vikings defense had been playing well on him, but he's 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 going to he's going to he's going to Russell Wilson his way down the field. It's going to happen. It'll come down to a two-point conversion. The worst that happens, it's a tie. You go to overtime. Weird things happen. But if he if the Vikings don't get this. Then guess what? Russell Wilson's going to go 95 yards. It's an extra 20 yards, and having two minutes to work with is nothing for him. It's nothing. Um, and then I saw your tweet. Should have kicked it. Now I didn't know if you were being sarcastic because you don't necessarily always love breaking down big play calls, big decisions. Being but a smart ass because it you work. were. Okay. No, I thought they should have kicked it. Yeah, um, I, I did too, for the reason I just gave. I'm not mad at Mike Zimmer for his decision, because again, I'm of the opinion that this team is going nowhere and none of these games mean anything. So I don't blame him for saying, like, you know what, let's throw caution to the wind, let's put it in my players' hands, give them the chance to show me you can do it. And uh, the hole was there, as everyone has now seen the replay by now, that Alexander Madison ran right into the pile when there was a hole out to the outside. It was a terrible run. He easily could have, he might have scored a touchdown yeah. if he'd have bounced out there. Um, so that's the other thing. We'll see if he'd have just, well, but that's just it. That's why it's risky to go for it on fourth down. Just because the hole was there doesn't exonerate Mike Zimmer. Like, when you make the decision to go for it, you're taking a risk that something like that isn't going to happen. Well, it did. Yep. Um, 
if you kick the field goal, which, you know, 90 to 90 something percent chance is going to make that kick, it's a close field goal, you're basically forcing Russell Wilson to score two touchdowns. Because he's got to go down the field, obviously, get, go down and get the score. But then you got to get that two point conversion, too. I realize it's from the two or three yard line, but that's hard to do. You know, the two point conversion success rate is, I don't know what it is, but it's a hell of a lot lower than a 30 yard field goal. So you, and then even if he does that, Scores the two, he gets the touchdown and the two point conversion. Still got to go to overtime. Your odds are pretty, you know. To me, that's a no brainer. I again, I get why he didn't do it. He's Mike Zimmer. He's Mr. Tough Guy, badass, and he wants to. And, and I do think maybe if, if if you really, if Mike Zimmer really looks at this team as as a rebuilding team, if they don't think they're going to the playoffs this year. Maybe that's the right call. And, you know, it's it's a learning experience for them. It's a you know, a, a growing, a growing pain for them to go through. Like, hey, remember that time we went for it in Seattle and didn't yeah. get it? You know, maybe three years from now they're in the NFC Championship game, and a moment like that is you call back to that, and, and, and there's a positive effect to it. Um, it was in a vacuum trying to win that football game. It was a dumb decision, uh, but overall, big picture, I don't think the Vikings are going to fire Mike Zimmer after this year. No of course how not. Bad. Yeah. The season ends up going. Right. So, you know, I think it's defensible in that he's like, all right, you know, let's try it. If it doesn't work, who cares? It's not like we're going to the playoffs. They're not. They're so, so you do agree with going for it. You're talking yourself into it. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying it's. I get why he did it. Like, yeah. I wanted them to win the game. Yeah. Because Seattle's a good team. They're undefeated. Right. It would have been a great road yeah. win. I wanted to see them win that game. Yeah. Russell Wilson annoys the shit out of me. I wanted to see him lose. <laughs> um, but it didn't happen. I, I think it would have if they had a field goal, but... Whatever, like I said, it's defensible. I just think it was wrong. Now, why does Russell Wilson annoy you? We've been over this, John. Move on. Okay. Because Mr. Just because he's Mr. Ra Ra. We literally spent ten minutes talking about this on the first episode of the show. <laughs> Sorry, we do not need to go over. Okay. It. Wow. Sorry, that frustrated That's how much you he so much. Me. Yeah, he annoys just bringing him up annoys you. Yeah, I mean it's so. But let's get into the Vikings being my 2010 Honda Fit. Okay, so I got a Honda Fit. It's a tiny little car. Um, it's really reliable. It's given me no problems as far as I got it with seventy thousand miles of it. Wow. Other than that, it's great. Uh, it, it never breaks down. It's got a good motor. It's a Honda. They have good motors. That's why I got 70,000 miles on it. I've had 30,000 in a year. It's terrific. Most of the time, it's effective and gets me from point A to point B, and I know it's going to do that and not break down, unlike my last car. Is Honda sponsoring show now, too? Uh, no. no. <laughs> it could be, though. If anybody at Honda is listening, uh, yeah, we have very, very reasonable rates as this podcast launches. I think it would serve your customers well. Uh you know, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer, they're going to win you games. Kirk Cousins is a top 10 or 12 quarterback in the NFL. Even if it's just puff, puffy fantasy point stats and he doesn't do it uh, when it matters the most, he's going to get you wins just by playing really well sometimes, a lot of the time. Mike Zimmer's not a bad coach uh, because he's a defensive mastermind and he seems to be a decent team kind of manager. The, the, the players respect him. He's going to get you seven or eight wins on his bad years and 10 or 11 wins on his good years. That's great. But my Honda Fit only, only does so much. And every now and then, at the, you, just about at the wrong time, it freaks out on me. It's got this alarm that goes off inadvertently. Three different places, including the dealership, couldn't figure out why the hell my car alarm just goes off for no reason once every four or five times. But it always happens to be at a time when it's the most embarrassing or when I don't need it. Uh, and I hate it. Or like at 1 o'clock at night in my neighborhood, it might wake people up. And I, I can't do anything about it. It's like you know Mike Zimmer's going to make the wrong call at some point, And he's, he's going to kind of flip out. And the team is going to take on his personality. And Kirk Cousins, I know it was only a third quarter interception. Like aside from a game against Denver, who was lousy last year, and two big passes in New Orleans... When is he ever gonna? When is he ever gonna not just pee his pants when he needs to make big throws? And by the way, he throws the interception when the Seahawks are surging back at 14-13. And it'd be nice for a quarterback, part of being a highly paid quarterback in the NFL. And I'm fine with what they paid him. But part of your job is to be some sort of a stabilizing force. Silence that momentum. He crapped his pants, threw an interception, and then what happens when they're up? Now they're down 21-13. That's when he's now. That's when he's good. Okay, now well, now now okay, now we got a we got a long way to go. Now let's fire back. Um, fair? That, I mean, forget about the analogy. It's probably a poor analogy, but I mean, this is the the, the line sucks. Drew Smith is the worst lineman in the NFL. 
the defense isn't at full strength. Russell Freakin Wilson. But it just kind of feels like most of the time, Zimmer and Cousins do not come through in these type of games. At moments they should. I think your analogy works better for Cousins than it does for Zimmer. Although, I, you know. True. Like, watching that game last night, I, I found myself going like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I've taken for granted how good Mike Zimmer can be at building a defense or rebuilding a defense. Uh, that defense is pretty short-handed right now, and as bad as they looked through the first few weeks of the season, uh, they did a pretty nice job last night against a really good offense, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, that kind of reminded you, and you know, as young as they are on defense, you know, that kind of reminds you, like, hey, this is a guy who who knows how to develop young players, who knows how to build a defense from scratch, so to yeah. speak. They're clearly not there yet, uh, but that was kind of a reminder that, like, hey, give this guy a minute, and he'll yeah. probably turn this into a pretty good defense. That's what he does. Yep. Um, now, does that mean he's a Super Bowl winning coach? That's, that's another issue, but, you know, I'd be careful about automatically ditching him and going on to the next whoever and having to cycle no. through three guys. Trying no, to this isn't put Zim on the hot seat or anything like not, that. But, it's just I wonder if he's he's if, if he's got it uh, day in, day out as a team leader either, John, and in the game. I don't know how many dumbass coaches have won Super Bowls. Like, there's not this idea that like you either have it or you don't. A lot of morons have you know lucked their way into a Super Bowl because they had the right guys like, and got hot or whatever. Like, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. You know, I mean, just... Uh, Mike McCarthy, your walking hamburger bun, because he had Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, 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 like Rodgers' third year. Uh, I don't, I don't I, think this guy's a, a dumbass. But I don't either. No, I was about to. Okay. Uh, Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. I, I think he's a good coach, but since they won the Super Bowl, they've been okay. they, they're, no, they've been pretty shitty. Like, well, they went to the playoffs. He's gonna be on the on the hot seat in Philly here pretty soon. Oh no. no. Do you watch anything besides the Vikings? And the I do. Yes. Yeah, he's not doing so hot. Yeah, right. I, they've made the playoffs the next year. They. The next year with him, I believe they made the playoffs last year. I think they missed it either the year after. Or last year. Okay, I mean they're not they're not terrible. They're bad this year. I don't think he's going to worry about his job the way Dan Quinn did in Atlanta. But, well, but there's another one. He, went, uh, he just made know, it to a Super Bowl. And they were ahead 28 to three. Think right? how close he was to winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. Is, does he have it, or did they blow that 28 three lead because he doesn't have it, and not because say uh, Kyle Shanahan called a terrible game in the second half for the Falcons that day? I mean, there's all these variables. You know, so to, you're either a good coach or you're not. This idea that like. There's some X factors. This it that you talk about. I'm not talking about personality-wise, right? I know you're not. I can't, I'm not even defining. Just the same sort of by the same sort of uh, example. The White Sox today fired uh, their manager Renteria, and I saw, you know, they went to the playoffs this year. After a couple losing seasons, they should have won the AL Central. They kind of choked at the end. That might be why they fired him. But there was a quote from the White Sox GM saying. We'd like to hire a manager with uh, October experience who knows how to win a playoff series. Like, what does that even mean? Like, Rich Renteria, there's something about the playoffs that he is not aware of as a major league manager. You go hire some guy who was the bench coach of the Astros or the Yankees or whatever, and he's going to, like, know about some weird right. thing that Rich Renteria doesn't know about. This is dumb. Well, if that was the case, any of Bill Belichick's assistants would, exactly. have, would, would have done exactly. a thing. But, I mean, that's the thing people say. Like, oh, we, we want a manager who has it. He was clearly saying in different words what you're talking about. Like, we need a manager who has it, who knows how to win in October. What does I, that mean? I knew you'd pounce on me like red meat because I said it, and it's one of those cliches in sports you hate. I just don't. I think he's. I think he is what he is. He's a sixty percent winning coach. He's a make the playoffs every other year coach, and maybe you're lucky to win a game. Is that okay? If it's but not that on him, mean, I'm just saying that doesn't mean that guy can't win a Super Bowl. You know? Okay. Dennis Green should have won a Super Bowl. The reason he didn't wasn't because he lacked some secret ingredient or didn't know about some certain thing or there was something wrong with his personality. They choked in the biggest game they ever had. That was it. And it wasn't even just him that choked. Randall Cunningham shit his pants that day. Gary Anderson missed a field goal that he shouldn't be, you know, perfect season, missed the field goal. That's not Dennis Green's fault. If Randall Cunningham plays a great game that, or just plays his average game that year for what he did that season, Gary Anderson makes a 39-yard field goal or whatever it is, are we sitting here going, well, Dennis Green, he's a Super Bowl winning coach. He knows what it takes. But no, because Gary Anderson missed that kick. He said, well, I don't know. He's, uh, he was another one of those guys that made the playoffs every year but couldn't do it in the playoffs. Didn't, didn't, that, didn't Dennis Green take a knee in that game with like 30 seconds left of the most explosive yep. offense in the history of the NFL? Okay. Like he could he could have he could have put the foot on the gas. I'm not saying I have to agree with everyone in his decision. Yeah. I'm saying he easily could have. But that's a big moment. 
And he played it really. I'm not saying it was the wrong move, but he played it extremely. I, I thought it was safe. weird at the time, but okay. All right. So I mean, now the question is, how how legit do the Vikings feel? They're one and four, but you go to Seattle, you play a team that could be a Super Bowl contender this year. You play them well. I mean, it, for, for, for what it's worth, yeah, they shut out Seattle in the first half. That's that's Zimmer's side of the ball. So give him credit for that. So I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll read. Better. I mean, those first couple weeks we didn't see anything from Justin Jefferson, and now he's clearly establishing himself as a new star caliber player alongside Adam Thielen. Uh, the running game's been very good. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is getting a little better. They're banged up right now. You know, by no means are they it's a good offensive line. We've talked about how. You know, for years we said the Vikings won't do anything about their offensive line. Now they've been trying to do something about it, just not having much Except success. they keep putting in Drew Samia instead of Ezra Cleveland, who they drafted, what, first round, second, second round? round I think, yeah. and, you know, and Drew's worst line, he had four holding penalties. Yes, Even Paul Allen during the broadcast said, this guy's got to be taken out of the game. Um, but, all right, what's up What's up next for the Vikings? I forgot. The next game, interesting opponent. Oh, uh, the Atlanta. Atlanta. We just fired their coach. That might be a tough game because they just fired their usually, coach. Yeah, usually that you know, gives that other team a little bit of a kick in the ass. The yeah. coach comes in. Obviously, it's going to be an interim guy, so yeah. somebody who's already on staff. Yeah, talk about going to play hard for him. Talk about the NFL being standing for not for long, as the great Jerry Glanville once said. And four years seems like an eternity ago when Dan Quinn took the Falcons to the Super Bowl and almost won it. Going back to him uh, again, I agree. He's not said he was a, he was a good defensive coach for Pete Carroll, who I, I'm guessing was calling the defense most of the time in Seattle. So he got his job because of Pete Carroll. They had a good quarterback. They go to the Super Bowl and they've been crap ever since. It's crazy how things change, can change so easily in this league. Uh, I'm not quite worried about the Chiefs losing their luster, but they did finally have some things that have been that have kind of been chasing them. Come to roost against the the Raiders yesterday. Did you watch any of that game? Okay. So you'll have to talk about it on your own. All right. Well, <laughs> tell me, John, what's going wrong with the Chiefs? Yeah, I don't know. Do, do, do you look at the Raiders beating them and go, "Ooh, there's a crack there." I mean, there was six. I don't think the Raiders are very good, so that's they're not bad I was though. Surprised. No, I don't think they're bad either. But I was surprised they won that game. Uh, I think a lot of people were. So I mean, the Chiefs had eight second half points, uh, according to, and this is where I could probably refer to my notes, which is my text back and forth with Curtis Riggs, who's a uh, football genius and big Oakland Raiders fan, because last week we saw this, the Patriots, the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever, the Patriots, uh, I think I get a grandfather clause with that, I think everybody works. By the way, does my voice, is, is it a lot louder and carries more than yours? Because this thing, my computer, this thing, it just registers, when I'm talking like, like, wait, just boom. You talk too loud, is what, is what it is. Okay, do I talk too loud in person, too? Yes. Does it annoy you? Does it make you want to? Okay, all right. You're going to talk about it. There's some days. Really? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Well, he's a loud talker. Like a Seinfeld episode. You are a loud talker. Okay. I guess. All right. I'll try to. I'll try to. Maybe I'll start. I'll start practicing right now. My husband says that, too. He's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. We're in the same room. No one else is in this house. You're not competing with any other noise. What are you doing? It's like, like sometimes I call you and I want to do something. Like, I'm not going to hang out with him today. He's too loud. No. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Thank you for that. Glad to find that out during the podcast. Um, so anyway, Curtis Riggs, like, I asked him, what's going on here? Is there something to this? Because they only scored six points against Belichick's defense in the first half last week, and the Patriots always seem to do that. Um, and uh, and so do the Patriots give the Raiders the blueprint for beating Patrick Mahomes. The Raiders have no pass rush, and yet Patrick Mahomes is running all over the place. And Curtis says everyone's going to the three-man front against Kansas City, like the Patriots did. And uh, on the other side, the Chiefs' coverage was bad. I mean, the Chiefs were just leaving receivers wide open. And Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. He can be a very good quarterback. They gave him time. His receivers were open. And Kansas City looked like the shitty defense, the worst defense in the NFL. That had it not been for them, they would have been in the Super Bowl that year. Um, he said sometimes matchups make a big difference. The defensive end for the Raiders was eating up the back a tackle for KC, and they kept doing man-to-man uh, -man protection. And then I asked Curtis, all right, okay, so does it appear to you more that Kansas City is leveling off and the NFL is catching up to them 
or they're bored and not operating at full throttle, and they'll just turn it on in November, December, January like they did last year. Uh, it was the first loss in 14 games. And the genius, Curtis Riggs, text back, relax. You have Patrick freaking the home. And I said, yeah, but the Raiders beat them. And he just texted, you meant the commitment to excellence Raiders beat them. So I don't know. It seems like let's just wait for November or December and, and see what happens to those Kansas City Chiefs. They look pretty dominant in the first two games of the season. Yeah. And for the most part, nobody goes 16 and Were you watching when Dak Prescott got hurt? Yeah. That was, um, I'll be, I'll tell you my quick story. I was just outside for a second because Gilbert, my husband, we were watching these games at the golf course, which has the Red Zone channel, the golf course that I work at in Lenox. And, um, and we were watching the Cowboys. He's a big Cowboys fan. He wanted to take some autumn pictures with the autumnal leaves and, and, uh, you know, spent 20 minutes out there. Anyway, the second I get back in from there, we just hear, oh, 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 that was, oh, that's something you don't want to show. The, the first thing, I didn't even see the TV. I heard people watching. I, there, nobody, no one was, <laughs> we were the only people in there. It was just Romo and Nance on the TV. I didn't, and, and they said, you don't want to, we don't want to, we don't, he said, oh, that's something you don't want to show twice. And of course, naturally, I'm like, well, show it then. My God, it must be something incredible. You must miss it. The first time it happens, Romo goes, hopefully that's just a cramp. Which was hilarious, but I can see why he said it because I think Dak must have either been in shock or like broke it so clean that he severed his fucking nerves or something. Like he's just like holding his leg like nothing's even wrong. He's just laying on the ground like strong my ankle, and then you look and you can see that it's like just creepy ankles, and that's when it's. Right after Romo goes, boy, I hope it's just a cramp, because Dak was holding it like he was holding a cramp. Yeah. Then he saw the video, and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah that's really, really bad. And it obviously was oh. really bad, and yeah, so he's yeah. not going to play the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I, yeah, when I finally got to they did, because they were acting like they weren't going to show it again. I'm like, come on, just show it. Way, way worse than that. Really? Okay. Besides Joe Theismann and that kid from Louisville in the Final Four. There's been a bunch. Napoleon McCallum, Jim Crumry. There's a long list. Okay, but so it didn't really totally gross you. Oh, no. All right. It's felt bad. And then, well, then, and you see the him, you see him bursting into tears, and Dak Prescott's a great lightning rod sports talk topic for all the first takers and the talk show guys because he's in Dallas. That's a big market. America's team, of course. That's it. And he also this year had been racking up some incredible stats. A lot of it, you know, kind of garbage time catching up because their defense is so bad. But you know, it's a great argument. How good of a quarterback is he? Is he worth the money? We got franchise tag instead of a big deal. And that's, you know, I don't think it's cynical or anything wrong for me to think, is he partly, is he partly crying because he might he know that zillions of dollars are going, like a lot of things. I mean, I, I'm trying to think, what would I be thinking? Obviously, I'd be thinking, A, this, wow, this really hurts. And B, you know, you, you, these guys put so much time into football. It really sucks. And they put all that time in five games in. He's hurt for a year. That, I mean, there's a lot of things that could, but he had to have been thinking about that, right? Like he could get 150 or whatever million dollars. And now it's gonna, you know, now it's. It to me like it was a culmination. That kind of reaction is not about one thing. Yeah. That means there's a culmination of thoughts in your head, your teammates, yourself, everything you've been through, your future, the money, all that stuff was running through his head. Yeah. You know, and then let's not fact. I, I hate to even bring it up because the guy's like an asshole. But, you know, it was Skip Bayless who at one point was before this happened was chastising Dak Prescott for being too emotional or whatever, you know, yeah. and then you see him crying on, on because of uh, because of somebody he knew committed suicide. Yeah, it was something yeah. a very understandable yeah. reason someone would be yeah. emotional about something. It was extremely crass for someone to criticize him for it. Then to see him have to go through this it just kind of reminded me all over again. So did you? Because I, I I don't have any attachment to the Cowboys. I enjoy watching them self-destruct in big games, especially with my husband, the Cowboys fan. But Dak is, and Gilbert just showed up. Uh, but Dak seems like one of the most likable athletes 
I've, I don't, I don't want to go over and say I've seen in my life, but like he's a really likable guy. He just, I just felt really bad for him. Did you feel the same way? Sure. Or, okay. I mean, I thought Tony Romo was really likable. Yeah. I, I didn't think like, oh, this sucks because of that. I just was like, this sucks for that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right. That's that one. Any other big NFL observations from yesterday? Anything catch? Anything catch your eye? Did you see eye? the big game for uh, Dennis Gardak, the uh, former USF linebacker? No, I did not. Uh, I mean, I saw that he got the game ball from from Cliff Kingsbury, and it, yeah, it, it's apparent well, his teammates love him. He's a special teams dude exclusively. Okay. Uh, early in the game, Chandler Jones with 19 sacks last year, one of the best players in the NFL, tore, tore his biceps, probably out for the year. So, guess what? Dennis Gardak, come on down. Your first chance to play linebacker. He played 10 snaps and got two sacks. First time he's ever played wow. actual defense in the NFL. This is a guy who led the NSIC in sacks for USF. Yep. Four years Dominant ago. player? Yeah. So that was pretty cool for him to get his first chance. You know, guys like that that are special teams dudes, it's hard for them to get a chance like that because teams are like, eh, special teams will hold everything. I don't know if we can trust you. Well, he has a game like that. I'm assuming he's got a good chance to, to start for Arizona the rest of the year. That's, you know, this is the guy undrafted out of USF. I don't know if you remember the story or not. The only reason he's in the NFL. He went to SDSU's Pro Day that year. It was the same year. Um, and I remember you covering it. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't. Was it Dallas, Dallas Goddard? Yeah, or yeah, it was Dallas Goddard yeah. because that's why everyone was there. They were yeah. all there to see yeah. him and Jake Winnicky. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he had, he had like 31 reps on the bench at 225 pounds. Was most of anyone there. He had all the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Ran a really fast, you know, 40 time, whatever. Just killed it. All the NFL scouts that were literally walk around going, who the hell is this guy? They had never heard, they had no idea who he was. And it took a while to even be like, is this real? Like, are we missing something weird? But they all, you can see all these scouts like checking with each other. Did you get the same? Yeah, that's what I got too. So you know, he's in the NFL, he's in his third year, and I'm going to be starting next year. What was his story before USF, do you know? Was it uh, like he, Dallas Goddard, like, how did nobody find this guy? Or? He was at West Virginia State with John Anderson. Okay. And when John left West Virginia State to come to USF, he decided to grad transfer here and play his final year here. He was only, really, he was only here for one year. I mean, I remember it well. He was, he was like the defensive player of the week in the Northern Sun. It seemed like every week. And he was a very good player at West Virginia State too. It's not like he came to USF and you know suddenly figured it out. But like I said, it was that pro day at, at Brookings. If it wasn't for that, I don't think they would have found it. That's cool. Uh, what, what's the Dallas Goddard update? I think he broke his ankle. I don't think they've actually come out and said it was a, a, a fracture. Maybe they have since. I don't know. But they put him on IR. Of course, IR is different than it used to be. You have to spend a minimum of three weeks on the IR. I think this was week number two of the three. So he'll have to sit out again next week. He would be eligible to return the week after that. But that doesn't mean he's good. I just couldn't help. So do you, do, do you still watch the Eagles just because of uh, yes. Goddard and Nate Gary? Yeah, and I was going to say, too, uh, Zach Ertz. Uh, looks like he might be slowing down a little bit. And he's been one of the greatest tight ends in NFL history, literally. And bringing on Dallas Goddard, it was like, hey, you're going to have two, these two awesome tight ends. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised when Goddard comes back if he doesn't establish himself as their number one dude. And at some point, if the Eagles move on from Zach Ertz, trade him, whatever, I mean, Dallas Goddard is literally an elite NFL tight end. Yeah. And he's going to be their number one guy for this season. Does Carson Wentz just look like a bad quarterback who's lost and might never come back? I know he doesn't have much help. He's had guys injured. He's had guys who played Old Dominion and all that crap. Uh, he has very little help. But does it, does it seem like uh, the, the knock on him by all the guys who used to play the position is he tries too hard, he freaks out too much. And again, partly that's because he doesn't have help. But is he ever going to return to that form? It's, it felt a little bit like that form, that one year where he was supposed to be the MVP. It was only, ironically, I think that was the same year Case Keenum was the Vikings quarterback. It felt much like Case Keenum to me, like a little bit smoke in the ears. I thought Carson Wentz was deserving of being a first-round pick. I watched him at North Coast State. He had all the tools. I wasn't surprised that he was good. But when people were talking about the NFL MVP, I was like, really? I really don't think he's that good this fast. And since then, obviously, he hasn't been nearly as successful. 
and I don't watch the Eagles every snap of every game, but when I do watch them, that's my response. He looks like he's trying too hard. And it just looks like he's trying to do too much. And you know, when you come from North Dakota State, you beat the Eagles 50 and over or whatever. Maybe that's where you where you get that from. The NFL is obviously a different animal, like you said. Missing guys, not having a ton of help. That whole team is a mess right now. Uh, but I wonder how much longer you know, the leash is going to be for him. That's what's like they're going to bench him this year or whatever. But like at what point do they go? I mean, they drafted a Heisman candidate in the second round. Yeah. And I, 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 I want to watch. I want to see what Jalen Hurts has. I, I mean, I'm just interested. I know what Carson Wentz does or doesn't have at the moment. I kind of want to see what Jalen Hurts has. That'd be fun. Speaking of North Dakota State, we had Curtis Riggs talk about this a little bit last week on the podcast when you were gone and you were in Wyoming. Uh, what, did you watch the NDSU Central Arkansas game? I did game? not. Okay. I heard so it was close. It was close, and Trey Lance was like 15 of 30 for under 200 yards, underwhelming, but uh, Rick says he's going to be a top 10 pick, and he's worthy of it. So, okay. Well, he's good After one year of college football at the FCS. I think that's great. Not because I don't think he's good enough. I mean, I've seen him play once, and the one game I saw him play, he didn't play all that great. It's SDSU. He did almost all of his damage running the ball that day. He didn't throw it all that much. I just feel like he hasn't played enough to be sure about it. You know, yeah. like he's played, you just said he's played one year in college football at a lower level. Like if I was a, a fan of the NFL team that drafted him, I'd be really nervous. Again, I'm not trying to shit up this guy and saying he's not good, he's not deserving. I'm saying I don't think he's proved it yet. He's a big question mark to me. And you're not you're not a take for Trevor guy, are you? I, we, we've, had, we've had this. I mean, I don't want to repeat ourselves in our last couple podcasts, but it's uh, most of the NFL's best quarterbacks were taken either in the back half of the first round or. Not in the first round. John Elway wasn't. Yeah, and Andrew Love. Like, 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 uh, all right, let's get to let's get to something we uh, discussed earlier this afternoon about a local team who I don't think this is surprising news, but they reached out to to me a couple weeks ago because I work for the Sioux Falls Canaries. They reached out to you today. And tomorrow morning, we're recording this Monday night. We'll have the story of the Argus Leader. Uh, they're putting the team up for sale, or they they're considering heavily putting the team up for sale, and they they want somebody in Sioux Falls specifically. They're putting it up for sale. Yeah, they are. They, they are. Well, the, the twist of it is they want a local partner. A local partner. Owners right now, Mark and Tom, aren't here. Yep. You know, that isn't always necessarily necessary. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's obviously been a struggle for years for the Canaries uh, to do well on the field, but also off the field as far as attendance, fans, all that. They're working with a, you know, less than a full deck as far as facilities and all that kind of stuff. Probably the, probably the slightest in the entire American Association. Just look at how this league has continued to expand into major markets. When the Canaries first debuted, it was a mid-market league. Now it's a major market. There's Chicago, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Winnipeg, you know, and Sioux Falls. Um, so it's a huge struggle for them. That's under, it's totally understandable that any ownership, if they're not local, be like, okay, you know, this is just too much work for us to try and do it from afar. We need someone local to be in there. They, as they said to me today, but the ideal if they could make the sale essentially a complete sale yeah. and be owned 100% by local owners. But they're open to making it a partnership thing and you know, selling part of the team to a local person who can be a local presence here. I think that's a good thing. And obviously, Tom also made mention of the fact that they want a new stadium. You know, and they need a new stadium to be competitive in that league. You know, Birdcage is a nice place. If you're talking about you know a, a high school field, a college field, or something, you look at Milwaukee's Stadium that they built. To or an American Association Field 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean it just it, it is. That, the birdcage has been passed. I mean, that league has passed the birdcage. Right. It no longer suffices. Uh, and asking Mike Meyer to recruit players supposed to slowly, you know, you're just asking him to stand on his head to make that team competitive. And most people do not understand this. We have this discussion every year during the summer. On the, on the old radio dial with Craig Maddock about they need a new stadium. People would call in. The stadium's fine. It's, it's, no, we're not talking about fan experience here. We're talking about recruiting. About, you know, it, every, everything Everything is kind of a domino effect that adds up. Too, but, but I would too, but most people don't know any better. They've never been to another American Association yeah. Park. They've 
I've been to another you podcast. Been to St. Paul's Park. I have. No, I'm not. I don't mean you literally. Yeah. I mean like talking to these fans. Like, yeah. go to St. Paul. Go to Chicago. Go to Milwaukee. Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Paul. Those are all brand new. They're amazing. Yeah. Like it puts the birdcage to shame. And people think, well, what's who cares about a park? It's just it's just a baseball game. It's just a baseball park. I think the birdcage is very charming. I love going there. I, I love it there. Um, there. I'll put it in my own words, because first of all, what I'm talking about is it's about attracting the players, the facilities for the players. And it's hard enough, if you're now going to be one of the smaller markets in the league, these are men in there, most of them are in their late teens, early 20s, mid-20s. They're single. So they want to live, so that, A, they want to play baseball if they can in a bigger city where there's more women, there's more fun, there's more action than Sioux Falls. And that's not a knock against Sioux Falls. So if you want to neutralize any, so, so you're up against it just because of the city you're talking about here versus Chicago, Milwaukee, the cities. Winnipeg's a much bigger city. Lincoln, Lincoln's a better, cooler city. Then you got to neutralize it with something really, really cool to attract them to, some X factor. And yeah, it's nice if you have a really nice guy and a good manager like Mike Meyer, and he is. And that's the kind of guys he gets. And that's the kind of guys he thought he won with this year. We got guys who want to be here. That's great. And he's he's pretty terrific for what he's been up against. But you got to have some something a little bit else. And usually that's facilities when you're talking about an arms race for recruiting baseball players. They're not drafting guys. So they they got to recruit players like it's college sports recruiting high school kids. People just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Look at this scoreboard. Get a new scoreboard. How have they not been able to get some guy to just cut up a check for 50 grand? I don't know. I don't know. And they're going to listen to this. The owners are going to listen. They know. They know. I'm not saying anything they don't know. Exactly. I mean, like, as a guy who's been on the inside this year, hoping to do some things to bring some more fun to the games at the ballpark, I'd love to incorporate more video type of stuff, but nobody's watching the video. It's too small. The screen is too small from wherever you're sitting in the stadium. And so, of course, we'd love to see a new stadium if we want to go down that rabbit hole again. Uh, I think both you and I have agreed that the best place for one would be downtown. We don't think that's very realistic. There's not. There's just nobody. There's no developer. There's the nobody that's going to do it downtown. I love it, and I think that would be better for everyone. But ultimately, what's probably going to happen is someone, whether it's Sanford or whatever, that, that's where there's land. I don't know if they get involved or not, but eventually there's a new ballpark out there where you kind of create the same situation you had with the birdcage, where you're out in this sort of multiplex or like or the, like the sort of canvas yep. like the third cage was with the arena and all that kind of stuff hardwood buffalo wild wings yeah, yeah. and that's not ideal you know, it's really hard to get a walk up from college yep. when you have to drive out to that's what people that's what downtown ballparks are so great and it's not just but, people that are already downtown it's the people living downtown how many brand new apartments have been built and condos have been built downtown in the last 15-20 years now those are for people with money whatever their age is but most of them are probably empty nesters retired people they want to live in downtown Sioux Falls they have the income to go to a baseball game to go out to eat and go to a baseball game but for people who are already downtown this happens in St. Paul because I've been there and I've seen it so have you oh there's a ba- there's a baseball game what the hell let's go walk into the baseball game for a little bit it's a real thing that you can't get anywhere else and you know they have the parking and whatever I'm assuming we're not going to get that and I don't think we we're not and why are just because it's well, hard to get it. So, you know, it's up for debate whether or not there's actually space for it. Right. You know, there was that guy a couple of years ago who said, here's where we can make it work. Most people say it can. They've made it work in other places like say, Omaha and Lincoln. Target Field is in a, a geographical footprint yeah. the size of my foot. Yeah. And somehow they made it work. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You find a place kind of on the edge of a downtown. The Omaha's ballpark is on the edge of a downtown. It was in a run-down part of downtown. They made it a baseball park. The greater point is any new stadium is going to be better than the Burger Of course. Any new stadium, no matter where it is, it's going to have that honeymoon period where people are going to go if they want to see it. And that's where you, the Canaries have their chance to build a new fan base and start this. I don't, have, I don't think you have any inside information, and you have a close relative that works at Sanford. But, I mean, that it's gonna, the place most likely to be is going to be Sanford, right? Over there in the sports complex and everything else. We talked to the guy who runs Sanford Sports. His name is, I believe his name is Steve Young on our show. They started to get pretty tight-lipped about what their plans are for the baseball. Oh, they've got everything else out there. They've got your basketball arena of the Pentagon, which is also a volleyball place, whatever. They've got, they've got a gymnastics place. They've got a hockey place. They've got a tennis place. And they've now got the golf place with great shots. They've got the football field with the field house and training and all that. Baseball is kind of the last piece. They In their 
blueprint, whatever you want to call it. They have a baseball park. They have not been specific about if they want to make that a stadium or not. They haven't denied. And I understand there's a whole new cloud of things hanging over Sanford for what Denny Sanford is going through or about to go through that could change a lot of things about Sanford. But it just doesn't make any sense other than they're going to build a they want to build a stadium that's going to be state of the art and hold minor league baseball. And you know, I've, I've contended since back in May when Patrick Royce and Lavelle Neal said Sioux Falls wants. So, and they just said Sioux Falls. They didn't say who in Sioux Falls. They said Sioux Falls wants to be in the running for the Twins. Now, Royce, AAA. Now, Royce said it's uh, about a week ago on a podcast of his. He slipped it in there. It's probably going to be St. Paul. Even though Mike Vec and the Saints were putting on this show about how, you know, the Groucho Marx line, I don't want to be a member of any club that wants me. It appears that it's, it's, gonna, it's you already saw some Twins players working out at the Saints facility this summer during the pandemic. Uh, but Sioux Falls was like the back, seemed like it might be the backup plan. And tell me, well, but don't you think executives there were probably trying for that? That's, I mean, they're a major twin sponsor. Don't, don't try for anything. Okay. But I agree with you. It's, so we're probably not going to get downtown park, and we're probably not going to get the Minnesota Twins. And hopefully we'll still have the Canaries for a while. And as we mentioned, uh, their owners are, are going to put the team up for sale. They want local ownership. The best case scenario, and the most realistic scenario to me is, the Canaries stay around, you get a local owner, and you get the new stadium, and the most likely place is going to be at that complex. And it's not downtown, but they do have things there. you got you got a couple bar-type areas and restaurants, and you got you got something that people can make a night out of. Uh, not downtown, but it's something where I think you could get... But that, that, again, goes into the broader discussion of why people haven't been going to Canaries games and what it would take to get... Is it the sport of baseball? Is it the fact they've been losing? What is it? You know, and what would be appealing to somebody who would actually ponder buying this team when it's been losing money year after year after year? I don't know. I mean, but it's, you know, the only thing I'll say in the Canaries defense is it's not just them. You know, yeah. to sporting events is down everywhere. Yeah. I mean, almost everywhere. I'm sure there's exceptions, but... You know, in college football, and people are like, why aren't anyone going to games anymore? All, all different levels. I, I can't imagine the Storm's attendance. They've never really kept track of their numbers in the years that I've been around them. But look at the stands. are very, very good numbers there. You know, Stampede led the league in attendance a couple of years ago. It's still that high. I don't know, maybe it is. It is. Hockey's a little bit different because, I mean, that's literally the only hockey we have around here. Um, but, you know, I, there's so many things that go into it as far as um, our high school football teams are better than they used to be. We have Division One colleges now. We never used to have that. You know, the, the Twins are a bigger deal to people than they were in the 1990s. There's so many things that have created problems, and that's something that's that's been their challenge. Is it? It's not a fun enough product when you go out to the game. Is it? Because I ran into so many people now that I was working for the team. People say, "Oh, I, I, I love the Canaries. I just haven't been to a game in a while." It's or they say, so "Like well, the baseball's not good enough." When was the last time you went to a game? Nine years ago. Yeah. You know, people just like to make invent. You ask them, "Why don't you do something?" They'll invent a reason. The baseball this year was as better as was better than it's ever been. Because there was no minor league baseball, so they independent leagues had way better talent. Um, did, did your average fan notice? I mean, I barely noticed. I've been that team for years. I only know because of like, oh, there's 10 guys on the field right now that are playing the big leagues. That never used to be the case before. Yeah. So you think, uh, get a stadium, there will be some sort of a surge, some sort of an uptick. I've been covering the Canaries since 2003, and I was a season ticket holder. My family was 10 years prior to that. And there were times that the whole fun is good and the Mike Beck stuff, there were times it annoyed the hell out of me. Like, Do you mind if I watch a baseball game? You know, we had stopped trying to make this this cute little family whatever, you know. And even having said all that, in the 20-some years uh, that I've been you know, tangentially related to the Canary with the Canaries, whatever, as a fan, as a, as a broadcaster, sports writer, I have never felt like they're not doing it right. 
You know, it's their fault that no one's going to their games. I've never felt that. I've never written that column saying, it's your own fault, you guys suck. Because that isn't what it is. We can go on and on and on and on and on and on and on with all these reasons trying to guess why there aren't people why the attendance has been a struggle. If anyone, you know, they would have figured it out by now. These people took a lot more time on it than I Trust me. Okay, and they, and they they probably brought me in for new ideas or something. And, uh, you know, and they'd be the first to tell you. We've been trying things and we tried a few new things this year. And uh, lo and behold, Harry Canary is not going to push you over the top. <laughs> I mean, I had a fun time. I tried. Uh, and uh, we're trying to incorporate a little bit more of that old St. Paul Saints Bill Vec fun into the into the operation because it's something the people who have been going to games. All right, go I'm, ahead. I'm gonna in. level with you and insult you right to your face. Good. I know. I knew you would. This is why I said that. Just to just to pull this trigger. Gilbert, I want you to hear this. Okay, that's my husband over there. I think your Harry Carey impression is dumb. Okay. Because you're not doing an impression of Harry Carey. I know. You're doing an impression of Will Ferrell. I know I am. Yes. Let me finish. Okay. Because something on the back end. I hope. Everyone else likes it. Like, people at, I went to Canaries games. I heard people in town talking about it. I think your Harry Canary thing is dumb as hell, <laughs> but everyone else likes it. What I think doesn't matter. So kudos to you, John. Okay. Harry Canary was, in spite of its awfulness, a success. I appreciate that. It's, I mean it. I, if, it's, if people had told me, like, God, that's so lame. Why do they get rid of it? I would have told you, like, hey, bag this thing. Nobody likes it. Do you it. realize that it's in kind of intentionally awful? It's it's intentionally ridiculous and absurd. That's that's, that's that's part of the whole deal. I always hated the Will Ferrell impression because it was not a good impression. Like, what's with the messed up hair? Harry Carey had perfectly clean hair. Not always. Yes, he did. Toward the end. Oh, I've seen pictures. He, he would be messed up. Why? Because 70s and stuff like that. But 80s when he was getting older, yes. He's always wearing a suit. Yeah. The only thing Will Ferrell has is the glasses. <laughs> like, that, that was the worst impression ever. But it was ridiculous and it was fun. Yes, that's more of what I am doing because it's just just like the big glasses. And like I said, people like it. Good, I appreciate that. Um, oh, by the way, uh, I saw you, you had one post regarding the death of Eddie Van Halen last week. This is where we will finish on nobody's listening anyway. And it was the YouTube. You had a YouTube oh, the link. There's a South Park thing. Yeah. Of explain that South Park. I mean, it, it encompasses Van Halen, or does it? Uh, well, it's, I don't even really know what it's about because I've only seen that episode a couple times. But basically, Van Halen ushers in peace in the Middle East. They have a concert in Jerusalem, and it brings the Jews and Muslims and Christians together. So apparently, the, the message is that's how how great Eddie Van Halen is. Literally bring about right. Everybody knows Zimmer is a music snob or just a bigger music person than most people are. Uh, sometimes tends not to lean to the more popular bands, although you'd be surprised which popular bands he does. Like, where were you? Where did you come out on Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen? I'm a Van Halen fan. Yeah. I have several of their albums. Okay. They're not like my top 10 favorite bands, but they're probably like top 50 favorite bands, probably. All right. What do you like about them? Well, uh, Eddie Van Halen's amazing. Yeah, that's a given. We all acknowledge. Uh, Alex Van Halen's amazing too. Their drummer. Yeah. Um, and then uh, me and a buddy always talk about Van Halen, and then we're talking about when Eddie Van Halen died. There's always the are you David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar debate, which is better. That's where I was going. Next. Um, almost everyone agrees David Lee Roth was the best. I was gonna say, have you ever met anybody who's like, yes, Van Hagar, yes, oh, Sammy's better. What, what really? Okay. Well, just because David Lee Roth was Yes. There's some people that are like, screw that guy. I yes. like Sammy Hagar. Yeah, but when David Lee Roth was was the guy there, they were so much more fun. Exactly, so much more humor. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, hot for teacher, uh, jump, just his entire personality. Yes, um, Van Halen would never become what they were without any Van Halen. But having said that, yeah, Sammy Hagar was a solid replacement. Yeah, absolutely, he did not live up to David Lee Roth. No, but he kept it at a high level. Uh, I met Sammy Hagar once. In Sioux Falls, he was playing a concert. Just him? Just solo concert. Okay. Sammy Hagar. Yeah. And uh, that's when he was, was developing his tequila. Yeah. He was very much. He was. He, Cabo Wabo, I think. Yeah, he was Mr. Party, Mexi Party in Mexico guy. Yeah. So he brought it over to the bar where we were working. He was trying to get us to carry his tequila. 
and met a few of the people there. And he was exactly like you would expect him to be. Kind of a meathead, dumbass. Kind of arrogant, but who wouldn't be? He's the lead singer yeah. Van Halen. Yes. But really nice. Yeah. Like he was just exactly what you would expect. Like a nice, yeah. arrogant dumbass. Yeah. Like that's exactly <laughs> what he was. Uh, Wish I could say I met David Lee Roth, but I never had. Some would say that about Matt Zimmer, too. Probably. Except for the nice part. <laughs> uh, this, so the Van Halen death, I can't, I don't, I don't ever want to see these people die, but when they die, you, keep, you know, they're everywhere. They're, uh, they're all over social media. There's specials about them. So, and, and the thing that's always intrigued me most about Van Halen, a, that's is what other what other rock band that's named after somebody is named after anybody besides the lead singer. That's right. I mean that's that's and Van Halen and he deserves it. He might you know him and Jimi Hendrix. I don't know who else is the greatest guitar player of all time. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I, the, the, it's David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hager is always uh, just fun to me. Um, and uh, so I, I, I looked for it. I found something on YouTube from like it was a VH1 special from like 2002, and it was uh, the David Lee Roth and Sammy show. I didn't know that those two went on tour together yeah. after Van Halen kicked yep. out Sammy Hagar. Yep. Yep. They went to uh, tour together and they hated each other, yep. but they knew they were both going to make loads of money. Right. And of course, David Lee Roth didn't want Sammy Hagar to ever be the headliner, and they went. To and like Sammy Hager tried to hang out, and Dave didn't want to hang out, and then you see all these, all this footage of David Lee Roth, and he's just, he's just always on, he, and it's like funny, but it's pro it probably would get really annoying to a point. Like you could probably see why they would kick him out of the band, but it was so much more fun than than it was, and they had bigger hits. There's a thing that the documentary told me they had bigger hits with uh, Hagar. In Hagar's time, they had more top forty. Hits and albums. Maybe I don't know. David Lee Roth era band. But I thought the music was still better. I thought the music. He's a better frontman. It's more fun. I thought the music was better too. For what that's. Fun. I enjoy. I just enjoyed more songs with uh, David Lee Roth. Van Halen was a fun band. I don't yeah. make them like that anymore. Fun. I really don't. Yeah. Is he the best showman, band leader there ever was? Like guitarist type. Not talking about David Lee Roth, oh, lead David singer. Roth. There's Freddie Mercury. I don't know. Lead Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger's, of course. Yeah, I mean, can't think of very many else at the top of your head, can you? I've tried. I'm pretty partial with Mick Jagger. But. Well, yeah. But David Lee Roth was more fun. Yeah, but he also wasn't <laughs> as good at only last year. Yes. Mick Jagger is literally still doing it. However, uh, I want you to congratulate me. We did go over an hour, but only a minute over an hour. So, we did it. Work, Does it feel right? Does that feel better? There wasn't as much good stuff to talk about. Well, we can always, well, that's our job. We can find good stuff to talk about. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Of course not. Let's get the hell out of here. Not out of the gateway. We're going to hang out here and have some more great food and talk to my husband, Gilbert, and enjoy more twofers. Um, but uh, we're done with the podcast. So, appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word about this. If there's places where you can rate this or comment about it, we'd like that. And uh, we're not kidding. Uh, Honda. Give me a call. I really like driving your car. And uh, we'll talk again next week from the Gateway Lounge on Nobody's Listening. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.